1: Welcome back to PodSite, everyone. This is Carlo once again. And once again, I am joined by none other than Chris and Kurt from Parents Just Don't Understand podcast. Guys, how you doing? Doing, doing well. really
2: well. Doing well. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it occurred to me that we, we all have hard k sound uh, names. Yeah. Uh, so.
1: <laughs> well, I mean that was you know it, it, I, I don't know what to say, man. It's just a a coinky dink.
2: <laughs> a quink, yeah, yeah, there we go. A quink in it. Yeah.
1: So um, and today we're gonna to be discussing a short story by uh that appeared in uh, as a reprint in uh Light Speed magazine uh called Cup and Table by Tim Pratt. Um so we could probably get right into it uh this is sort of uh, I, I don't know what you guys thought of it but uh we could probably do that but first
2: oh oh yeah i, I didn't screw it up this time there we go and i am beverage
1: less at the moment haha i am dual wielding
2: <laughs> i i have an insanely cool beer uh design lo- logo design um called sun reaper Okay. Uh, it looks like kind of like a, I can't tell if it's supposed to be boy George or a really cool uh, vampire with like blood on her lips and like a big hat. Uh, I can't, I can't tell, but the, because the the makeup looks kind of like boy George makeup, but it also <laughs> could be like a cool, oh no, you know what? It's definitely not supposed to be boy George. It's supposed to be like a, like a vampire standing in front of a solar eclipse. Um, there we go, uh, and it looks it looks rad, but it all it, but be, because of the hat, it it does kind of look like uh, Boy George. Also, uh,
1: <laughs> do you really want to hurt me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, that sounds uh, rad, and uh, it does seem to be um, sort of genre appropriate for our podcast. So uh, kudos to Kurt for getting a. <laughs> Something that seems to fit in has a nice bouquet, a pod side bouquet, will if you will. <laughs> but um, so yeah, uh, do we want to sort of summarize? This is sort of a, an interesting uh, story for me because it's it's first of all it's it's told like in a non-linear way, um, and it's sort of like a superhero f- type of narrative that mm. does not feel like it's trying to crib from any existing superhero properties or anything of the sort. And, uh, also, uh, weirdly has a very epic feel to it because it's none other than the end of the world.
2: Right. Yeah. I, so I, I liked it. Um, um, I liked it ultimately um but I have a lot of thoughts that I definitely want to like talk through because there were there were parts that I liked more than others um and the beginning to be a perfectly honest, the, the very beginning grabbed me and then I felt like it kind of like let me down a bit and p- part of that might be some of the non-linearity cuz it, it cuz it does kind of like play around with it it does kind of jump around to do exposition a bit which and I felt like it it slowed it down but um I guess the story is yeah it's basically like it's it's a very uh, it's a it's so it was originally published in 2006 I saw and it's a very 2006 superhero story um hmm. because there were a few things around that time that I, I think it kind of shares some DNA with although I, I I wouldn't say that it's like you know like especially close to any of them um but like planetary and bprd uh hmm. both comics um come to mind where they're they're kind of like you know uh like a a team of superhero misfits, but they're not, they're not they're not drawn as superheroes. Like they, 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 it's it's a superhero story told outside of the superhero comic book tradition, although both mm-hmm. of those are are comics. And in this case, they seem to be a kind of um a kind of like descendant of the Knights of the Roundtable type or 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 organization with kind of like meta humans or superhumans um that has it has an, an ambiguous but seemingly religious uh purpose, and they're focused on safeguarding essentially the holy grail. Um, and they seem to have like various prophecies about about why you might want or not want to uh go and recover
0: it. Um and, and, and yeah, it was it was it was an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. It, It's interesting you mentioned uh, Planetary because um, Warren Ellis definitely came to mind uh, reading this um, because he he very much plays with that, um, you know, superhero that aren't superhero type things like and i'm not talking like anti-hero but like superheroes in in the trappings of um something other than superheroes um so like planetary or or um uh like the sort of like the authority or or um i i was also um you know since this is in the comic book milieu uh and and you, you you mentioned that there's their um the you know the connection with uh uh God and and religion and things like that. Um, the, the the playing with uh, superheroes and metaphysics made me think of also of Grant Mor- Grant Morrison. Yes, um, yeah,
2: very much so. Yeah, I've been watching Doom Patrol and it definitely has some uh, some DNA in common with that as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I was getting like especially I, I haven't read Doom Patrol but I've watched um, same. Yeah, at, same. I think at least at least like half of the first season and it, it definitely has that feeling like the. Like they're, they're, they're almost, uh, grotesques or Mm -hmm. or monsters instead of being, Mm -hmm. um, actual superheroes, like no self-respecting, uh, superhero organization, you know, with its lantern jaw, uh, you know, blue eyed, uh, protagonist, uh, hero or whatever would, would allow them in because they're all sort of freaks. Um, and, and in that sense, I think, yeah, it, it does also, uh, feel like, uh, BPRD, you know, the. Was it the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Research Defense?
2: And, yeah. And and it does and it, it has a lot of um I would say like Mike Magnola stylistic elements to it as well. Just considering like the the whole like Grail myth combined with kind of like, you know, a modern organization um, is very very Mike Mignola in general. Um, he really is, is seems to be a big fan of kind of taking things from, especially like, especially like Christian or English or um, like Slavic mythology, and kind of like saying like, oh, okay, so what if what if those were. Yes, they're supernatural, but but they're still around. And also there's like some people who are, you know, responsible for dealing with that in some way. And that that kind of mm-hmm. runs through a lot of, of of his his works, both BPRD and and elsewhere. Um what I what I liked about this story a lot though is um uh, the main character Sigmund, who is his, he's essentially a person who, um, in, in a very Kurt Vonnegut sort of way, is kind of is is unstuck from time. And I think mm-hmm. I think they even literally say unstuck from time, which immediately makes me think of Slaughterhouse Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I have to assume was was kind of an intentional. Uh, reference there just because of that specific language but um he he can he experiences the present and some of the past simultaneously so like they have the example of you know he'll he'll be at a restaurant and his partner orders a steak and as he watches he kind of sees the steak flicker back and forth between being like a piece of cooked steak and a slice taken out of like a living cow like like a still alive cross-section of a cow because all the objects that he sees he experiences like them now and then them in like going back you know like a decade or two or or i think it says and then and then with this organization he's he's able to um and with the organization and some some uh some some drugs some methamphetamine he's able <laughs> to expand his power <laughs> to go back far further and at times even himself like Uh, kind of like slip into the past, but he doesn't seem to have what I liked about him as a character. And I think it's a very classic sci-fi conceit is he is not a superhero in the sense of he really has no control over his, his power. It's something that happens to him or that he experiences. And so the, the non-linearity of the story is, is him kind of, you know, experiencing the story as he experiences it both, in the now and in, you know, things that happened a few years ago. And and he even makes the point that like he doesn't understand how other people live in linear time. And he's kind of like like, isn't that very limiting? Where whereas he's, you know, he's he's always experienced the the past and the present as kind of the same thing. Which which and again, I, I think it, it makes for interesting prose and structure of the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I liked how he described it as kind of like time is like gauze like almost that like layers upon each other like it was like um you know like transparencies just on top of each other like uh, you know, like in a projector that you would have at you know in school of you know i mean like and he his way of like going back is kind of just like he i think at one point they say he twitches the curtain away uh, and and like he, that's where he'll see that the different things i thought that was a very evocative um way of describing it
1: yeah, I I do want to point out that um, it was a it was a bit of a relief revisiting this, uh, that uh perhaps to your to your uh, points previously, uh, either I don't remember if we talked about this um on on an episode or just offline, that the that Sigmund's uh, ability does not increase because he just needs to believe in himself (laughs) harder. You know Uh, it it is absolutely like doing amazing amounts of cocaine and snorting any snortable type of drug or upper that he can find that actually augments his, his ability. Um, Whereas like, like you said, he, he can sort of easily, sort of shift backwards and forwards, um, you know, like a couple of years or whatever, maybe even a decade or so, but it's only after he does like copious amounts of cocaine that he's able to sort of jump ahead 50 years. And with the, uh, the very, um, (laughs) what was it like pure grade methamphetamines that the old doctor, uh, Uh, had prepared for him he's able to actually leap forward like almost 100 years at a stretch you know yeah
2: and and i uh, this may be me reading too much into it but i i got the impression um from the story and kind of the way that 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 he talks about himself and his situations that he's he's either dying as a result of you know his drug abuse or Mm. he's just kind of like in really bad shape like it's clearly not going well for him and he mentions you know like he's you know as time has gone on he's worked more and more with this organization he's gotten used to just like waking up with like a pounding headache and his you know his his like nasal cavities are just like completely shredded um yeah. so it's like but what i liked about it was it's not um it's not about that it's just like it's a character touch and they don't they don't feel the need to uh t- the the author tim pratt doesn't feel the need to like um like foreground that discussion mm-hmm. where it's like, it's an aspect of his character. It's never clearly stated what his relationship to substance abuses, it's mm-hmm. just it's just kind of explained like in casual conversation, you know what he's like and what he does all day and some of the consequences of it. But there's never any conversation of like, oh, I need to change it. Like, it it, it doesn't try to seriously grapple with it, which which you you could take as a criticism. But I think for this type of story, it's trying to set, to tell. I think if they tried to do that, it would have come across as way too maudlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. a story like this is it, already at risk of becoming maudlin and so i i liked that it. it was just like it's kind of like like set dressing it didn't feel the need to call attention to it
1: well and it's very i think to your point i think it's very um sort of down to earth and and not trying to be you know as we have uh, perhaps read or, or, or seen or, you know, uh, listened to stories that just uh, so many stories nowadays have to be about some sort of trauma or some, and he's just like, he's doing the drugs because he needs to do a thing. And I do, I do think it's interesting because um, there is a moment, I think it's like uh, maybe the third sort of uh, uh, break that the story has. Cause it's only like 5,000, Uh, 500 words long it's not very long at all but uh he takes the time to sort of perhaps uh point us in the right direction as to how to view this story by having this little uh excerpt here that i want to just read real quick um that uh, this is about Sigmund. And so he says, at some point in his teens, Sigmund had graduated spy thrillers and Cold War history, passing easily from fiction to nonfiction and back again, reading about double and triple agents with an interest that bordered on the fanatical. Becoming a spy, that idea had the ring of the plausible in a way that becoming a superhero never could. So, you know, this is already, he's trying to sort of hold the... Shining exemplars, you know, of a Superman or, you know, even a Batman uh, at arm's length because Sigmund Mm -hmm. isn't about this and the organization, the table is not interested in that. They even make a mention that, uh, you know, oh, all that stuff that you guys do, the regime change stuff and the assassinations, that's to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. We're going to resume our purpose, which is to reclaim, reclaim the grail. And to be clear, this is not the grail that we already know. This is an even older one that God himself left after he sort of skedaddled out of this creation. So uh, on top of everything else, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of Gnostic <laughs> viewpoint of the mm-hmm. world where God just fucked off mm-hmm. to leave his creation behind and didn't do anything about it.
2: I have to say, though, the 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 kind of spy espionage touches that crop up um, in a couple in a couple of like these these scenes, like there's there's a few spots where um, you get you get kind of a glimpse of of him. Uh, Sigmund on, you know, like a, a mission essentially with, you know, Carlsbad or um, I'm trying to remember the, the names of the other Carlotta the, and Carlotta, Ray, I believe. Yes. And Ray, thank you. Yeah. um And so like Carls, Carlsbad is um he's the personification of, of human evil. Um, <laughs> but he himself is not, is not evil. He's just like the personification of evil. And he says like, as long as, as long as there's evil, from people I'll be around. Mm-hmm. Um Ray is a guy who it's not it's not super well explained but he seems to be able to eat anything and and if he eats something or like a living thing he gains he he takes on aspects of it. So it mentions like he he eats a sherpa um who is supposed <laughs> to guide them and then he gains knowledge of the mountains um that actually that that made me think a lot of uh of the tv show heroes actually that 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 particular conceit which again i was coming out right around the same time um is uh it was was kind of reminiscent of that but he also again in like a mike mignola type way mentions like i've you know i've i've eaten angels you know i've eaten i've (laughs) eaten all these things um and i liked that (laughs) from like a gross out point of view and then carlotta is not well explained she seems to be uh, some kind of a witch or, or enchantress or supernatural person of some kind. It's not really especially ex- uh, explained.
0: There, there was some, some mention of her getting lovers from hell's anteroom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, was,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, but, but so, so the, what I was going to say is the, the espionage stuff really was the, the I, to me was one of the weakest parts of the story because it just, it just kind of made me, it just felt kind of tacked on. Um, and I felt like the story would have benefited from this is this is going to be my central my, my central criticism is to me Sigmund was way more interesting than anything else in the story um because the, the kind of playing around with linearity and with time uh creates like evocative prose and evocative structure of the story that, that I really enjoy and like you know just just kind of putting it alongside Vonnegut is is itself high praise from me um and the rest of it was just kind of like oh here's a cool person um with like an like, a, like a, an interesting concept and when i was reading that I, all i could think of was i would like this a lot more if it were a comic book um instead of a short story because then i'd be able to see art and i'd be able to you know imagine what mm. Carlsbad bad looks like and i i didn't think that those characters were especially well realized as as text um, and like like in the prose, like I, I didn't think they were I didn't think they, they had really the complexity of that the main character did. Um, and they just kind of felt like it, it was it was interesting. Um, but I, I did keep getting the sense of like this, this feels like a this feels like a draft of a comic book pitch instead of like a short story. Uh, but then it would go back to the segment part. and like, OK, yeah, like this is this is succeeding on its own terms as a short story again.
1: Yeah. I mean uh I think the the thought that popped into my head after thinking about this uh you know rereading it is that its strength and its weakness can be comparing it to uh the venture brothers uh episode of you know escape from the you know, temple <laughs> of from the, the mummies, of mummies part, part 2 house yes. of mummies part 2 uh where it's just a bunch of clips that's Uh, that sort of evokes a bunch of stuff that's happened and there's so much stuff that's happening off stage. But whereas venture brothers actually, you know, you can, if you were to watch that episode by itself, it makes very little sense. Um, But because it's part of a series, you can actually sort of, Oh, uh, we know what, you know, we we know what the expectations are when you put Brock in X or Y situation, you know uh, this historical uh, uh, person is going to be, Oh, Oh, you can't put Caligula with Hank. Come on now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So, um and, and I, I think that this manages that sort of um, a lot of, I mean, it does succeed in evoking a lot of the stuff that happens off stage, if you will. Uh, because, like you said, Kurt, I, I don't think a lot of that is not necessary for the central story that's being told here. But also, the problem is, yeah, like uh, I, I sort of feel like a lot of the other characters are just given these very brief sketches, exactly. And and it, I mean, I guess it's perfectly fine, uh, except that it's trying to convince you that this is not exactly. Uh, you know this isn't this isn't your grandpa's superhero story, and it's like okay, but but then you need to really sort of plump out these characters, these secondary characters a little bit more, just a tiny bit. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean,
1: as 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 mere obstacles like mooks that Sigmund is supposed to um, sort of uh, circumvent or beat or something. Uh, you know, I guess that if we're being fair, th- the stories about Sigmund, not necessarily these other doofuses like Carlotta and Ray, I think uh, hang out much more together and have nothing to do with, with uh, Carlsbad or Sigmund mainly because uh, uh, Sig- uh, they think that Carlsbad's like evil and uh, Sigmund's a freak weirdo, you know, that's yeah. just a junkie. Yeah.
0: I, I have to say, I I, I didn't, um, I, di- I did not mind that. Like, Yes, uh, I, I agree that they that they everybody other than Sigmund were, was very um, just kind of sketched in, um, but it, it, it did not really bother me too much because um, because as Carlos said, it this the focus I th- was definitely on Sigmund at least from my perspective of reading it. Um, so yeah, so that didn't seem to bother me too much because I, I mean, like if we want to do compare to comic books, that you know, the comic books don't you know uh, are, aren't known for having super well you know, fleshed out large casts of characters, uh, uh like, you know, in, in individual issues, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I know we have like the Marvel universe and everything like that, but like, um, you know, a, a comic book, uh, uh, there's still lots of characters who are very much just like they have powers and that's their whole character.
2: And, and, and that's true, I think, but with, you know, with a graphic novel or a comic book or, or however you want to, you know, frame frame that, that medium, um, you get the benefit of the of the art and the style and the design to actually convey a lot more about those characters so so whereas like reading about you know ray and carlotta to, to for, for me anyway in prose is, is only like minimally interesting um seeing it within a comic book, I think, would would make that concept a lot stronger because you would have this whole extra dimension of being able to see artwork. You'd be able to see, like, what does Ray look like? How does he dress? Is he smiling? Is he frowning? Does he look like an asshole? Is he, you know, like a small scrawny guy who eats stuff? Is he like a big, huge, muscular guy who who eats all this weird stuff? Like, you would have this whole extra dimension that that can't be conveyed as easily through text, you know, I mean, an average, an average issue of a comic book is what, like 28 pages, like 26 pages. Um, And, and, you know, a a 5,000 word story is, is about that level of depth, I would say for, 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 for text. Mm -hmm. But I think if this were an issue of a graphic novel, you would get so much more nuance just from having that visual look and feel of everything. Whereas there, there were parts where I was like this, like I, I it wasn't just that I wanted to know to know more. It was that it it didn't even quite have enough to get me to wanting to know more. Whereas like to to me, if if you gave this story to me and asked for high level um suggestions or recommendations, my first thing would be to cut a few of the characters and reduce it to like like Sigmund Carlsbad and and the doctors and find a way to make that story work somehow without needing these two extra characters who basically just like what they do is they act like assholes and then get killed um <laughs> and that's and and you really don't get a chance to know them more than that and the the, the shame of it is like they could be interesting and the other thing is um i want to give it credit for this the world feels very fully realized like when i say that this feels like a pitch for a comic book i don't i don't mean that in a in a strictly negative way um it it's a very cohesive idea of a setting and an organization and like and like a structure but with like in like very few words like like i feel like i i could sit down and write four more stories about this organization just having read this story like there's there's a lot of um it it feels lived in uh, in an impressive way for the length of it but but again it just felt like i i wanted that it felt like it would have benefited either from being a longer story, from having less detail or from from just having art that went along with it. Um, and I, I feel like any of those things would have would have improved it. Not like markedly, like it's not it's not bad. I, I would say this is this is good. But I think it would have taken it to uh, a di- a different level.
1: You know, you, you say that and I just uh I think that you might be right. I mean, honestly, if they had taken Ray and Carlotta and just had them be specifically, like, pulled in when uh, the new Doctor puts them on the the quest or whatever, and as they're, like, in the Himalayas, even though, like, Ray has a couple of really funny lines, like when when they, know, oh, we're going to the Himalayas. Ah, fuck yeah. I've always wanted to eat a Yeti, you know, that shit. (laughs) Uh, Which is a funny line, but, um, you know... if if we are then just having Ray and Carlotta be basically, um, sort of like uh, rival agents, if you will, uh, if we're going back to the spy uh, thriller type of structure, um, just have them called in to you know, uh, sort of with extreme prejudice, uh, neutralize the threat, you know, uh, and just have them be like, well, these are the guys that they sent. These are the the killers. that the the. the table West coast sent us, you know, or whatever, you know, (laughs) the great lakes table. uh, (laughs) I, I, I had, I I did write a a very short story about uh, the Minneapolis and St. Paul uh, area having superheroes. (laughs) Oh, I, the great lakes
2: Avengers is, is a real, is a real real thing. It's a real joke from, um, I think it's from a next wave. I, 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 I believe.
1: I mean, why not? I, I, and to be fair, like, um, I, I think uh, I, I was uh, listening to somebody talking about this uh, in another uh, venue. And, you know, honestly, like everything's in L.A. or in, in New, York City, New York City, and it's sort of refreshing if it's not set in those places. You know, mm-hmm. everyone is from New York. Everyone's from L.A. You know, fuck that. And th- yeah i mean th- th- so
0: this is in like an entirely different context but uh i was struck by that by watching uh the sitcom uh detroiters which was uh tim robinson uh made it before he made i think you should leave on netflix uh Ooh. and uh it's like so it's set in detroit about people working in detroit and most importantly filmed in detroit like interiors mm. exteriors everything and it just brings this like you know real like Depth and uh, texture that you don't get from like, you know, the filmings that you get in like, you know, Toronto or Vancouver or or New York or L.A. or anything like that. It was it was neat to see something other than those, you know, same old cities that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Anyway.
2: So something. So I have a question for you, Carla. But first, I want to say um i something that i i haven't given this story credit for that i should is um i find in general um uh superhero based short stories extremely tiresome um mm-hmm. i i generally really dislike them um i've read i've read like one or two that that i um liked uh and i i guess that this would be three um and and it i i i think i think it escapes that by doing the exact opposite of what i was saying and it 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 gets away from the visual components of what you expect from superheroes it's not it's um like when i read a story that is basically just describing like a a batman comic where like people have you know like suits and stuff i'm I'm like "Eh, i this just feels like (laughs) it just it just it it just feels like not not tawdry it feels like chintzy like it's like this this just feels like like you've, you've imagined a comic book in your head and you're trying to describe it. And this, this doesn't feel like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't also doesn't scream superhero, even though it, 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 it kind of it kind of says it at a, at a room, uh, volume, <laughs> um, yeah. but so, so, but, but Carlo, I have a question for you, which is why did you pick this, uh, story for us to read?
1: Uh, honestly, like, so it's interesting because, um, I wanted to revisit this. Uh, I think I read this when this was reprinted, which is you know the 2015 or whatever, um, and uh, 2012 because I had, actually. 2012, 2012. My my mistake. Uh, I mean, I may have read it afterwards or something like that. Uh, somebody had passed it along to me and told me it was good, and and so uh, I read it and I thought, shit. You know, I hadn't started. Uh, writing, writing like super seriously, but you know, like I could, I could recognize that this was actually pretty good, um, and you know, uh, at that point, you know, what was it? We had maybe two Iron Man movies and a couple of other mm-hmm. Marvel things. The, the The premise had not been sort of drummed out of any like even my most generous uh (laughs) you know readings of stuff uh at because at this point i'm just sort of it's so saturated i wanted to revisit it and see if i could recapture or at least see if it was still good even though i definitely have like superhero you know like movie and story fatigue Mm -hmm. and honestly like I enjoyed the crap out of this still, you know, uh, I, I was surprised to see that it actually did stand up, um, you know, and, and to your points, Kurt, I think that it's not trying to, it's not a story that's trying to convey comic bookness to me.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's just trying to be a story that just so happens to be to have some superheroes or some powered individuals, if you will, <laughs> uh, people of uh, different powers. You know, I don't uh-huh. know. <laughs> uh, anyway, the the point being that you know, I wanted to test it against sort of my my just apathy towards most of the MCU stuff nowadays. Mm. And truth be told. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised to find that it it still had it, you know, it still had the juice.
2: Yeah, there were there were one or two moments early on that I got a spike of dread because some of the um, dialogue felt a little bit forced early on. Mm. Like there was, in particular, the first time that Sigmund starts talking about drugs, it felt like someone. Uh, this is going to sound stupid, but it felt like someone who doesn't do drugs talking about drugs, (laughs) 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 where it's like like drugs are super cool. And like the thing about drugs is they are super cool. But if you do drugs all all the time, they stop seeming super cool. (laughs) They just seem like a thing that you do. Um, But, but then I I really want to say like the dialogue I thought is um, it is very good in a uh, like, like a journeyman way. So like I, I often refer to, um, Terry Pratchett as someone who is very good at dialogue, not necessarily in the dialogue being like a soaring artistic thing, but the fact that like you read it and you don't, you don't, you stop thinking like I'm reading dialogue. I'm reading written down dialogue and you just read it and it's part of the story. Um, and it mm-hmm. was very good about that. Like it's very well integrated with the prose and a big problem I have with, with a lot of stories that I read is that the, the dialogue feels so, apart from the prose like like it feels like you're reading a story and then you come to like a little script that somebody has copied and pasted into the middle of the story and you're like okay i gotta read some dialogue and this this doesn't feel like that like i didn't i didn't notice it at all i just went right over it and that which to me is the way that you should receive dialogue it shouldn't feel like you're stopping and having to read you know a conversation it just should be well integrated with the prose and this very much had that that sense to me
1: you mean, there wasn't any instances of you know, what the ever loving fuck he shouted <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> and
2: and 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 uh, honestly, like you you mentioned, you know, he shouted, even like the kind of like blocking tags or like the dialogue tagging didn't like it was just it was just well done. it was it was understated. It wasn't overdone. It was exactly as much as it needed to be readable and no and no more,
1: yeah. Yeah. Which is I a mean, hard thing uh, in this day and age. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it honestly it is. Uh, I I think, uh, and and of course, shout out to Write Good uh, episode. <laughs> your your books are not movies or whatever <laughs> exactly yeah. it's called. Um, you know that is absolutely correct. I I do think that there is uh, going back to you know how this was not trying to be a comic book. Um, you know, it, 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 it lets you actually receive the dialogue. Like you said, it's, it's trying to get out of its way in certain instances, not at the beginning. I, I will say that it's a little flashy at the beginning because yeah. it, then it, it does like that in media res stuff, yeah. which it's, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a big black mark against it simply because, um it's catchy enough it's only until you get to that paragraph break where it's like oh but first or rather after you know and that stuff and it's it's sort of very cheeky about it uh which sort of almost rubbed me the wrong way and then I was like oh never mind it's fine it's fine and as it progressed it i felt like the 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 confidence in that the author presented, you know, that Tim Pratt presented in basically breaking up the story and leaving huge chunks of it off screen because that's not the point is something to be commended, you know. Um, And as such, that confidence translates to not trying to prod me to think or imagine that Sigmund's doing this particular thing or he's posing in a specific way. Because I, you know, I, the author, wanted you to imagine this. And I want to control that movie that you have in your mind. It's like, no, (laughs) get the fuck out of there.
0: Yeah. Uh, This might be stating obvious, but uh, uh, the the way that the timeline kind of jumps around and stuff like that, um, you know, does a good job of uh, mirroring, uh, you know, Sigmund's own, you know, uh, status as like a person who's kind of uh, unstuck in time, to use the the Vonnegut phrase. So I I think that does a good like representational job of mirroring, not just making not not just making the story an interesting read, but also like kind of uh, making you feel a little bit more uh, like Sigmund uh, while you're reading it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the the structure itself makes you it um, sort of is a characterization point for Sigmund, mm-hmm. I would say and yeah.
2: and it, it also it is also cannily written in that it doesn't need to explain where in the timeline things are happening. it's, a, it's a, it really doesn't matter. So for instance, like it um it jumps at one point from one of Sigmund's first missions with Carlsbad um to all of a sudden them meeting, the new doctor who has replaced the, the old doctor. Um, and it doesn't explain it. It's, it's not like, you know, suddenly he was at a different time. You know, it, it doesn't feel the need to set it up. It's, yeah. it's obvious from context clues that you have a, you have changed time um, and b like kind of broadly where you are in the story. Obviously you're meeting the, the new doctor. So the old doctor is dead. That's already been established. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's well done in a way that I think a more self-conscious author would have felt the need to frame it somehow and be like, oh, I need to make sure that the reader knows where we are. Um, and to that same point, um, a lot of the dialogue, when it does exposition, um, it slips in details in a way that feels a bit more, more organic. Uh, so, for instance, in that same scene where they're meeting the new doctor, uh, Ray says, fuck that mystic bullshit. I joined up to make money and get a regular workout, not chase after some imaginary grail. You just stay in the library and read your books like the old doctor did. Okay. So they've, they've delivered uh, the author has delivered like three pieces of, of info there. One Ray doesn't care, or at least doesn't want people to think he cares about prophecy, mystic stuff Two, he's like a mercenary person. He wants money. Um, Three uh they've delivered a key fact about the old doctor and the new doctor that the old doctor was a like an inactive person who was focused on research um but the but none of those three lines to me anyway read unnaturally they don't mm-hmm. they don't do the you know uh they're as, not, as, they're you not know, bob. as you know as you know bob yes exactly they're they're not like stopping the dialogue to a, to deliver like a piece of of uh exposition it's just it's just it's something you would pick up on from listening to somebody's conversation you know mm-hmm. uh fuck that mystic bullshit it's it's a little bit on the nose but it does sound like something that an asshole would say like it sounds like <laughs> reasonable dialogue like reasonable enough dialogue um even the one the the middle one i joined up to make money and get a regular workout not chased after some imaginary grail should be more on the nose but because it's coming from an asshole um, it sounds to, it sounds reasonable to me like that. There's just like the, the structure of it doesn't feel like it's saying, I need you to know that I am focused on personal gain uh, and I don't care about mission. Remember that. It's important for the story later.
1: <laughs> As an asshole American.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I feel like this is one of those things that's like it's undervalued but super important in, um, in writing. Um, and again, I think that the, the the author Tim practiced a lot of a lot of credit for this is um, having the reader not notice what you are doing with your story when it's happening. To me, anyway, is one of the most important aspects of writing. It's the equivalent of being able to watch a stage play and forget that you're watching a play. Like the mm-hmm. worst thing that can happen when you're watching a play, as someone who's been uh, many community theater productions is Mm -hmm. that you're like, Oh, I'm watching a not very good play right now. (laughs) You know, that, 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 that piece of, uh, that, that piece of like, uh, um, you know, like set dressing just fell over, um, mm-hmm. or oh, I see somebody like off in the wing waiting for their cue to come on, and, and that that is that always like really sucks to notice, and it completely takes you out of the story. You're like, all right, I'm I'm reading a story where the author wants me to know something, and like I've just felt the hand of the author come in, uh, like the cat that they see twice in the Matrix to to to, like, to mess with something, to set up s- something in, in my head as the reader, and even when they're doing that. When Tim Pratt is doing that, you don't so much notice it. And um, it's something that I personally find lacking in a lot of what I read now. So I, I always try to credit that when I read it, like g- clever delivery of information in a story you shouldn't notice. It should just go into your brain, past the blood brain barrier and into the the, the little gray <laughs> cells, as, as uh, Hercule Poirot would say.
0: <laughs> like, like prions yes exactly just like prions yes <laughs> uh i i do think there's also some like pretty good like dry uh humor in in this like uh you know the the section you're talking about with the, the introduction of the new doctor uh it starts out with I'm the new doctor.
1: The new doctor said <laughs> <Like that. laughs> it's, it's so good. It, yeah. It, honestly, like I, that, those are little things that are, that are sort of like a little delight that you find sort of scattered. You, you suddenly find a little raisin in, in, you know, and I, I, if you like raisins in your, in your porridge or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The <laughs> I'm the new doctor. The new doctor said is great.
0: So can, can we talk about the ending? Um, because uh, unfortunately, I've, we cannot. Oh, no, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I very much want to, please do, yeah. Because I, I, I that part was just, I, I thought, uh, really, he, he, with like very, with an economy of words, he does a really good job of painting this, like, you know, bas- like the world ending I, I, as they're so. Um, you know the story is that they're they're going to find the temple that houses the the god's cup uh, that he left as as he left um, creation, and um, there's some sort of temporal issue that uh the very fact that you know where the cup is the world will end as you approach it not just when you reach it so as they're approaching it fire starts raining down from the sky and i think they call it gobbits of fire which is an interesting <laughs> phrase turn of phrase um so the and it's just I, like i said with very little um in way of like overwrought description or anything like that he really sets up this like epic ending mm-hmm. yeah yep. and
2: and to be clear the the particular mechanics of it are that you find out that the the cup um, contains God's blood, and that's right. When you drink God's blood, you become a little bit of a god yourself, and God will show up, and and he will recognize you briefly as an equal. And do whatever you say or answer any questions or whatever. Because again, I I love this sense of um, it's an almost like, it's an almost like Gnostic sense of a slightly condescending God Mm -hmm. who is elevated um, above people, not just by dint of being God, but by some aspect of like capacity or caste or hierarchy. Like God is God. You are not God. Why should God care about what you have to say? But if you trick God into thinking that you are a God, he'll be chill with you. He'll, he'll be mm-hmm. cool. As long as you don't have like fucked vibes. Um And, and <laughs> you, you, I, you I mani- really
1: like you that. To, yeah. You managed to get the fair, you rub the pheromones on your exactly. body. And he, <laughs> exactly. He, he yeah. smells the God smell on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a clever conceit. And as you say, it's conveyed in not many words. Um, I really liked the touch. I uh, super clever of, um, when he gets the cup he mentions that um the, the, it's it's liquid in the middle but around the edges of the cup the blood has like dried up and then and i i love this this is a nice little bit of humor <laughs> so he good. snorts he snorts the god blood yes um and that it takes him back to the beginning of of time right before time? god left yeah. the world um and, Time yeah.
0: snapped. I like that word, that phrasing. He says, and "Yeah, yeah, it's I, so well, good." I also like the detail that Sigmund has a long pinky fingernail because, of, yeah. <laughs> of course, he has a coktail. <laughs> of course, he has a coktail.
2: Yeah, and like, and, and and that was good. It was, it was, it was a little bit cute, but I liked it because it was mm-hmm. charming, and I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. cool, yeah, yeah, yeah." So that's that's fun. Um, he, so,
0: so Sigmund's sort of like, do you know there there uh, what's this called? White white fire or something like that? Where there was like a Marvel character oh, yeah. who.
1: Who, who, like,
0: his literal superpower was he was, like, powered by cocaine. So (laughs) Sigmund's kind of just, like, a more morose version of that. (laughs) His name is Snowflame. Snowflame, Um, He's actually
2: actually DC. uh and he fought um, <laughs> I am just
0: screwing up all over this he place.
2: fought the new guardians um and oh, yeah wow. his superpower was was indeed cocaine <laughs> he just had uh he just his, he just had cocaine like actually i think specifically he he had like an especially strong reaction to cocaine so cocaine to him was like mega cocaine that made it was like a s it was like a super celsa serum for him but yes it was it was cocaine
1: amazing
2: <laughs> as as black sabbath would say cocaine
1: um yeah and and to your point
2: like i, I mean I, I don't think anybody listening is gonna care overly much about spoilers but if you do i'm gonna read the last line of the story which is which is very clever and then we're gonna talk about it probably um if anybody else is into that uh so so if you if you if you care about that don't listen to this part go listen to something else maybe listen to Hawkwind for a future episode. Mm-hmm.
1: Um yes. Do your homework.
2: The the ending is, you know, Sigmund is at the beginning he encounters God. Uh God turns around and is like, "Huh?" Um and Sigmund <laughs> says, "Hey," Sigmund said, "Don't go." Um which is so understated. Mm-hmm. It's so like um it's so like shambolic and shabby, uh, but it is it's also very meaningful in the moment where it's like it's it's like the the whole story has been very it's not edgy exactly, but it is kind of like like what's the point of all this? Like nobody seems to be having a good time. Um, the reasons that you find out for everybody else wanting to meet God uh, are kind of like bleak and like mm-hmm. kind of a bummer where it's like, you know, why did you make me? Um, what the fuck is your problem? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Why
0: did you go? (laughs) Yeah. And and it's like, well, cause the whole plan, the plan was to have the new doctor, you know, come up and be the one to question God. So she had this like, you know, list of like 10 well-prepared questions. She was going to, you know, uh, fire at God, uh, once, you know, once he's there. Um, so then, you know, Sigmund being completely unprepared is the one that to, uh, Ask the question, but he ends up asking the better. Like, who gives a shit with her questions? Her questions are probably going to be like, you know, why does the quirk only show up on blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> but like, you know, his question is just like, it, just a yearning. Like, don't go. Like, where well, <laughs> it, it was. It's a very. I, I don't know. I thought that was very powerful. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. it's
2: and of, of course it's it's on a plot level it's important because remember he's at the beginning of time so he has mm-hmm. essentially. Presumably, if we extrapolate out like nerds are tend you know tend to do, he's rewritten all of time yeah. essentially because it, we, it was has been established that he can go back in time. Um, so he's at the beginning of time, and he's he's created a non gnostic universe where God is no longer the absent watchmaker who made the universe and then departed. Um, they've established that God will do what you say in that moment, and so He said, "Hey, God, stick like, stick around." So He's created whatever it means for a universe where God is not absent and remains, which is which is if nothing else, like it's interesting and it's hard to say what it means. And mm. I had uh, I, I I said this once on on like Right Good, I think where like like a really good story ends on a question like a a question mark, not Mm -hmm. on a, not on a period. And -hmm. this is very much a question mark ending where it's like, what the fuck does that mean? Mm -hmm. If God is still around, it's like, well, I know what it means to Christians, but this isn't really coming from a Christian point of view. It's very much coming from like a materialist, like slightly jokier. I'm taking like a jaundiced eye towards God point of view. And it's unclear if that's, is that good? Is that bad? Is it like hopeful? Is it, is it ominous? Who knows? And that, yeah, that, Brought me back to the story and was like, okay, like this, this is this, this is good again. Ah, uh, woo, it's it's good again. <laughs> okay,
1: um, Kurt, I'm, <laughs> Kurt, I'm gonna ding you just a small bit uh, because this story actually ends on a quotation mark. Ah, yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> actually, sir, um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, it it leaves, like you said, I think it leaves sort of like this profound question a profound statement just hanging in the air and much like a bunch of other stuff that is sort of left off stage, the curtains fall and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) You're supposed to mull over what the, you know, what that is supposed to mean exactly. You know, is it, is it good? I don't know. I, I would, I would think like, honestly, for a person like Sigmund who. Seems to be like just basically somebody that's completely lost, unmoored, uh, not only from time, but his life as well. Um, Having sort of like, I guess, uh, something to uh, navigate towards or some sort of steady point in his life would probably be something that's really interesting for him, you know? Uh, I, I like, I guess what I'm saying is that this is sort of a weirdly uh un, seemingly unprepared profound question that also just resonates with the character in in and of itself you know it's, it's really interesting
2: it it ties in nicely with um what what again is at risk of being a maudlin plot point but but isn't which is that um so carlsbad the personification of evil has, has established that you know, when there's no more evil and there's no more evil people in the world, he will die. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've established that everyone on earth is dead except these, you know, three or four people. And as soon as um, Ray uh, is dead, um, then, then Carlsbad looks at him and says, ah, crap, like you're not evil enough. Um, And then he fades away because, and which is, again, it's, it's like, it's it's nicely ambiguous where it's like well sigmund does kind of seem kind of shitty but like not like a bad guy exactly so it makes it makes sense um but it's a nice like it's it's combined with the ending it's a nice ambiguity of like it's it's almost like a noble patheticness like Mm -hmm. it's 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 plaintive he's not he's not he's not evil he's not good he's just like a guy um you know who's got some problems and he happens to be the one to meet god he and like you say he makes this very profound request and it seems it all seems very of a piece and Mm -hmm. my again my only criticism is i i do feel like i would enjoy the story more if it were really primarily just about sigmund um and didn't have this kind of extra baggage going on because I, i i feel like the the pathos of kind of not experiencing time like anyone else a kind of you know needing to destroy yourself to gain more control um there was a lot of stuff that was very evocative about, about sigmund that the other characters mostly lacked and and so again it, it does kind of bring me back to that like oh yeah like this this is the good character but again if you're going to have a character if you're going to have one character be really good it it may as well be the one who opens and closes the story and is kind of like the point of view
1: yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I we're not going to – I don't think I'm going to uh, devolve into, like, thumbs up or thumbs down or trying to do some sort of quantitative uh, uh, sort of review of a story. But, you know, I, I would recommend this to just about anybody, even anyone that's sort of just burnt out on superhero stories, mainly because it does not read – like a comic book or a superhero story uh, that we've gotten too much of. Mm -hmm.
0: It also doesn't read like a, um, a story that's dealing with, uh, you know, the God and metaphysical thing. Like it's, it's, it's much more fun story than you would expect when talking about like uh, a story about like, why did God leave us? Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> What's right, the right. deal
2: with God
0: anyway? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining like a F- Seinfeld. Ugh. Um, anyway, uh, I think that uh, I I don't have anything else uh, other than go read it, folks. I mean, if you've listened this far and you haven't read it, go read it. Yeah, I mean, it's we, on. Spoiled, it's, we've spoiled it for you. It's free. It's online. A,
2: yeah, it's on lightspeedmagazine.com slash fiction slash cup dash n dash table um and if you just search for it it's 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 on there which is nice and it's nice that you know it's an older story uh 15, 15 years at this point and that it's just available online for free because yeah. one of the frustrations of these like short fiction pieces is like it you know like you you read a story in 2004 that's you know four thousand words long you're like that was, that was pretty good uh and the amount of effort it requires to read it in, like 2021 is often like Tr- truly enormous.
0: <laughs> it's like,
2: uh, I'd like to acquire a back issue, of you know, of a sci-fi magazine that stopped publishing ten years ago. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's nice that it's just on there for free, and you can just go and read it. And, and you should. And it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. um yeah. I, Actually, you know what? Before we go, I, I'm curious, Carlo. Um, ha, like, what what else has Tim Pratt written? Is there anything of of note? What I, I, I know he's a Hugo winner, right? Like, what what's of note uh... about about his uh? His bibliography.
1: That is a good question because uh, I, I, I am going to uh, betray my my ignorance here, uh, and also my lack of doing homework on this particular episode. Because I know for a fact that he was um, an editor for. Uh, speaking of longevity of magazines online, he was an editor of a, I believe it was called Venus Flytrap or Flytrap, uh, and that is long gone, uh, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I don't know, I mean, I don't know consciously whether I've read much else of his, uh, and, and part of that is because I would just sort of power through, like I'd buy one of those, um, like the, the the old Gardner Dozois, you know, the year's best science fiction number yeah. 25 or whatever. And you just sort of power through them and, and read as many as you could before you just like, okay, there's still like 400 pages on this fucker. Uh, I'm going to put this down and sh- never go back to it. He
2: has a shitload of <laughs> novels. He's written like. God, uh, 15, His, 20, uh, like 30 I mean, novels. F- I don't
1: know, like a lot of novels. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, at at time of this reprint, uh, it is over twenty novels, and you're saying that he has ten. He's added ten more to those. So, Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow,
2: yeah. yeah I mean, uh, cranking them out. Yeah, you know, good, good for him. God, c- yeah, God speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, light speed.
1: It, 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 oh, ha There you
2: go. <laughs> the the most recent appears to be uh Doors of Sleep uh published mm. on the Agri- Angry Robot imprint uh in 2021. it um, seems like
0: he's he's uh delved into some work for hire stuff. He he did a Pathfinder book it looks like.
2: Yep. And uh and he does he's done some uh, some Wizards of the Coast stuff. Mm. Uh, he did A Forgotten Realms novel back in 2012. So yeah, uh, a a uh, a real journeyman, which is, you know, which is which is cool. Like I respect that a lot.
1: I mean, uh, to be fair, like I've I've had my share, like I've run into my share of people that uh, end up writing for gaming, either TTRPGs or actual, you know, like video games. You know, Uh, I believe um, I I don't want to misspeak here, but I believe that like uh, there's a couple of uh, prominent uh, authors like Cassandra Caw writes for I forget which uh, gaming studio it is uh, i believe Alyssa wong who won a i want to say at least was nebula nominated i think she won the nebula for the fisher queen um in the year it came out uh fantastic story really uh but i believe she's now writing uh, in-house maybe for star wars stuff Hmm. so yeah it's it's um you know uh it's a paying gig like you, you know you, you
0: can't fault somebody for taking a steady no, job no. And, and i mean it's I,
2: it's honestly better than the way that like video games and ttrpg you know fluff used to get written which is just like oh the ceo knows a guy who's yeah. like this weird dude who writes some stuff and then you it would be wildly varying quality
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean um it is what it is, and and to your point, Chris, it is it is a paying gig, and you're usually paying, being paid to do what you want to do, which yeah, is right, exactly. Um, uh, but you know, uh, you only have to get Nebula nominated. To- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe not on the t- TTRPG side. That's just sort of like you are right enough, uh, and you know a couple people who are also in there, and and they get your get you in, you know. Mm-hmm. But um. I I have not really pursued it because I just cannot really churn out stuff at the, the pace that is required for that because I have a day job <laughs> amongst other things. But uh, I mean, that's not any, honestly, I'm not necessarily jealous or envious of those people that they're, they're, they're welcome to it. Uh, it's, I'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm interested in that type of thing right now, um, but enough about me. <laughs> uh. Let's talk about you guys. What irons do you guys have in the fire? Uh, As always,
0: you can check out Parents Just Don't Understand podcast where we look at children's media with a critical lens. Uh, I'm very proud of our Captain Planet episode, which came out uh, a little bit ago. And um, hopefully (laughs) looking for uh, some more coming up in the
1: near future.
0: Yeah, we've got- uh
1: with with Hit Factory uh, podcast came on for your Captain Planet one that is amazing an amazing uh, and wild episode. <laughs> it's you like a two and a
2: half hour epic.
1: <laughs> I mean, but but it's it's also like so like the politics that you were discussing there and what exactly the the messaging behind environmentalism is mm-hmm. is so. I mean, you can see where how we got. He, you know, how we got here from there, you know, yeah. but anyway, I'm sorry, Kurt, I, Kurt, I cut you off. You're going to mention something.
2: Oh, um, I didn't think that I was, but I will, I will do my pitch that, uh, the cyberpunk issue of, uh, my, my magazine blood knife is coming out in the next week. Um, that's our first anniversary, uh, issue. Um, we've been, we've been going for one year, uh, since I, I had my, my, my bad idea that worked out, um, we've got some, some other cool issues that are coming up that um, will be available on our website uh, as as usual in the near future. Uh, October is going to be all Satan themed. Um, we had a really cool uh, Patreon <laughs> backer who said, um, I want an issue just about Satan. Uh, <laughs> in fact, he he's, and I, I remember I asked him like anything in particular about Satan. He said, nope, just about the big man. And I said, <laughs> all right, I can make that happen. So we had some really, really <laughs> cool stories coming out. Um, and then around uh, the end of the year, um, we're gonna have an issue on uh, transhumanism, mm. um, which uh, I, I know that um, our 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 good friend uh, June Martin um, aka June facts uh, is is going to be uh, contributing a, a pretty cool piece to. Um, so that should be Excellent. awesome. and should be out probably in December, I think, is when that will be. Um, I'm Mercurial. It might, it, it it may change, but it should be December. So uh, <laughs> check that out at bloodknife.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodknife.
1: Excellent. All right. So uh, go check those out. And uh, again, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, this, as always, has been Podside. Catch you later. Bye.